Welcome gamers to this week's episode of Last Call Gaming. We're on episode number 122. Today is January 6th and my name is Craig Prowls. Joining me as always, Manja Montemayor. Hello. What up baby? How are you? Dude, I am tired. I spent all day freezing my ass off yesterday in Vegas. So I, know, um, I didn't expect you to get back so late. I was like thinking like eight, nine, and I'm like, nah, I'm just gonna go to bed. <laughs> I'm just gonna go to bed, man. No, I was hoping to get back by like eight or nine and be like, okay, cool. Like I'll go do the episode, and I, I was like, all right, if I'm being real with myself, I'll do the episode. But then it's gonna turn into like a power hour or something. Then mm-hmm. I'm just gonna pick me up, and all that went out the window. Well, I was gonna, cause I was debating when to call you. So I'm like, should I call him like at ten? Should I call him at like eleven? Because if you're getting back that late, like I don't want to wake you up too early. It's not a first date kind of thing. You can call me anytime. You don't have to. I'm wait surprised one you day, picked up. Two days. I'm surprised you picked up. Sometimes oh. I gotta have Cece wake you up. Oh, oh, today? Yeah, no, I um. I had my alarm set for 11.30, so it was just 30 minutes before. If you called me, I was like, all right, I'm just going to lie here for 30 more minutes, and then just got up, got ready really Perfect quick. Perfect timing. I'm glad you're back in Arizona. So let's get the show rolling, guys. If you are watching this on our YouTube channel, make sure you guys like, comment, subscribe, and if you can, make sure you share it to anybody you can so we can get more eyes on the show. If you guys are interested in checking out any of our social media, our Linktree link is in the description. That'll take you to our Twitter, Instagram, as well as our Facebook. And if you guys are listening to the audio-only version of the podcast, try checking out Anchor. And Anchor from there can launch you to iTunes or Spotify or CastBox, wherever you listen to your podcast. So as you know, we like to drink beers on the show. And this one was picked out by my brother's girlfriend, Renee. They just were in uh, Henderson. There's a place called The Cask in Henderson, um, Las Vegas. Gino said he was talking to the owner. Um, give him a big shout-out. So this is our shout-out to you. And what he came back was the uh, the Trejos Cerveza. It's an 82 score on Beer Advocate, which is a site we use to check them out. It is brewed by the Lincoln Beer Company. It's a lager adjunct. It sits at 4.7%, and it is an active beer in circulation. That And the notes say... Uh, Trejo Cerveza is as badass as its namesake. This Mexican craft lager beer perfectly represents El Jefe in L.A. culture with its bold, cool, and distinctive taste. The straw-colored lager is refreshingly crisp and clean and embodies everything that makes Mexican beer so damn good. Trejo Cerveza is smooth and unexpected, and it's always the life of the party. As a, as a Mexican, can you, are you backing any of this up? Uh, How do you feel about El Jefe Cerveza? I don't know if it's a COVID something, but I actually really can't taste anything. To me, it's just like I'm I'm not tasting anything. And I was a little concerned at first because the can looks like he looks like shit. (laughs) But it does say Nectar of the Gods on here. But every time I think of Mexican beer, since we were just talking about it, Uh I can't help but think of that King of the Hill where they go to Mexico for the beer but get like diarrhea. And he blames it on the bananas. (laughs) Oh yeah, we're just, yeah, that's a fantastic episode. But but it, it's it's not bad. But I can't really taste anything. And what's weird is right now I don't know if did you burp? No. Maybe just when you exhaled when you were laughing, I could smell it really strong. Maybe what the beer is supposed uh-huh. to taste like. Mm-hmm. But when I taste when I drink it, it doesn't taste like anything. We gotta to get me. any taste buds like that. The this beer is actually uh, really well for a craft lager. I'm super enjoying it. it. It's it is. It's smooth. It's bold. It's there's no real bad aftertaste. Um, I was hesitant, like Andrew, when I was looking at. it. I'm like, this doesn't sound like it's gonna be pretty. It sounds like it's gonna be something that's like cheap and it's gonna be dirty. And it's gonna hurt all the way down. And uh, surprisingly enough, this uh, nectar of the Mexican gods is a very good beer. So um, if you guys can get a chance to check it out, go to the Cask in Henderson, Las Vegas. That's one place to get it. I'm sure you can find it anywhere else. If you guys are interested in um, recommending any beers for us, do that in the comments below. And if Andrew and I can find it, we will get it and we'll drink it on the show. 
And I'm saying, yeah, now that I took like a big gulp out of yeah, it. Yeah, you guys do a big old sipper. No, I can't taste it. It's um, it'd be like almost the idea if I blindfolded you and put a water in front of you and a beer in front of you that let's say the beer just had no taste. You know, when, when you drink a beer, when it's done, you kind of feel that little sensation on your tongue okay. or whatever. Okay. Versus if you're just drinking water, that's, I could tell that I'm drinking a beer, but it's got, you're not getting any of the carbonation. Oh, then you're missing out. Cause it's actually a very uh, good beer. So it's thank going you. Down smooth. Thank you, Renee, for picking that out for us. So before we get into our big uh, stories, guys, we like to do, what are you up to? Where we take a minute and talk about what we've been playing, what we've been watching, what we <coughs> have been up to. So, uh, I'm going to start this off, and what I was watching, as a quick reminder, I won't dive too much into it, but the new season of South Park started. I don't know if you were aware of that at all on HBO Max, so the new season just came out. There was those two big specials that were the COVID, out, the ones. COVID ones, which you can find on Paramount+, Plus. but the new season just started on HBO Max, and uh, they do a whole reference of people wearing masks, but instead of wearing masks, it's pajamas. <laughs> so it's pretty funny if you guys want to check it out, but the show that's got my attention is... Uh, the Legend of Vox Machina, which I've seen two different air dates. One says January 25th, one says February 1st. I'm not sure because I saw it afterwards, but it's on Amazon Prime. It airs every uh, Thursday or Friday, I believe, but it does the model um, where it drops three episodes at a time so you can get like a good healthy binge out of it, but without doing it afterwards, um, like week by week. So because there is, you know, a hesitance of what do you do? Do you do it week by week and then that way you're in the conversation longer and people talk about you longer? Or do you do the Netflix binge-worthy one where it's, you know, you can watch it all and that feels a lot of uh, a joy for people, but you're not in conversation too, uh, long after. So they do three episodes at a time. And so by the time they drop the next one, three more episodes came out. So if you're looking at um, jumping into it, it's six episodes. And it's based on Critical Role, which is a... Um, a Dungeons and Dragon game they play on uh, YouTube as well as Twitch. So the episode's actually based on their characters from their campaign. And the cool thing is, is all the guys that play it, if you watch the YouTube or the Twitch, are all professional voice actors. So they do their characters in their voices. So now that they're doing this show, they're doing it all uh, voice acting and it's incredibly well. It's um, Vox Machina is actually Latin for the voice machine. Um, so that's kind of, you know, funny if you, if you're looking at it from the aspect of the voice actors, but this thing's like, not only does it settle like the Dungeons and Dragons, like show that I want to watch, it's brutal. It's like Game of Thrones mixed with like, um, Invincible or like the boys, like people are getting wrecked, dude. I'm talking like people are getting their heads just smashed in hammers, smashing people open axes, uh, cutting people open. And there's a lot of cool cameos. So if you do watch like the YouTube stuff, it's like notoriously known that these guys had hard times like opening doors. They'd roll like ones and they just couldn't open the door. So in the cartoon, they have every time they try to like open like a door, they're like, they can't do it. They can't get like their lock picks break and stuff like that. So is Danny um, Trejo in it? He might. He might make an appearance late game. Uh, so that's what I've been watching. Six episodes are out on uh, Amazon Prime if you guys get a chance to check that out. As far as what I've been playing, I did start Nobody Saves the World, but I'm going to talk about that more next week. But a game that Andrew and I both just recently beat, which was uh, Pokemon Legends Arceus. So this, if you guys aren't familiar, was a kind of new addition to the Pokemon games. Instead of being the traditional city to city, you know, collecting guys, grinding it out, getting your badges, it was kind of a new open world formula that they took. And it did a lot of, um, it got a lot of good reviews. It actually sold a lot. And the most I can really say is, I hope this is the way they keep moving uh, forward. I mean, don't stop doing the old ones because obviously that that there's a there's a audience for that. They sell right. every time, but like make more games, like more games like Pokemon Snap, 
more games like Legends. Um, I know you just beat it. What were your biggest takeaways? I actually really loved it. I, like I was saying the other day, have been in like a, kind of a gaming rut. So for me, this game was super refreshing to play that it completely has me, all right, I'm done. I got that out of the way. I'm completely reinvigorated and ready to go onto like whatever my next games are going to be. It did for me what before, I don't remember if it was on the show, I think it might have been, where I had a gaming rut. I think it was like two years ago where I'm like, I just don't really feel like playing anything at all. And then that Spyro remaster came out. And then that completely after I beat that, I was like, dude, I'm okay. I'm just feel like that was such a breath of fresh air that I'm just ready to go out and do like anything now. I just would say the main thing I, and I think we kind of said on the last episode too, was Arceus just needs a little more to ex explore, a little more to go find. And my biggest thing was, I think the battle system needs to be tweaked a bit. And, and maybe it didn't happen for you, but I feel like every mood, whether you were attacking or getting hit, it felt like either one hit always knocked you out or it was baby hits and it did nothing. So right. I don't know how much time I actually wanted to spend in combat. But at the end, when I fought one of the main enemies, I won't say the name if you guys haven't beat it to not ruin anything. But like, it was just like one hit KOs or my moves did like nothing. There was no like in between. And I don't know how much I'm looking for like a long battle, but I felt like I, by the time I was getting done with them, it was like one hit, Pokeball, catch, and like that was it. And I'm like, huh. Yeah, yeah, I can kind of, uh, I can kind of see that. What, what was your team? Oh, oh, I did write that down. My team was... Um, and this is pre before the end. Yeah, and these were all the alpha versions. I had, I had all alpha guys in my team besides my starter, which was Typhlosion, and then the Alpha Machamp, the Alpha Gallade, the Alpha Inferape, Infernape, the Alpha Rhyperior, which was my bread and butter. That guy was monstrous. And my um, Alpha Electabuzz. And I think most of my guys were like 65 to 75 in, in uh, level. See, I think mine were like 55 and maybe up. See, I beat it with... Um, I, had six star, I had six stars when I beat it. I, I beat it with five. Mine was uh, Typhlosion, which is a starter, a regular Electabuzz. Magmortar was a alpha. Octillery was normal. Rhydon was an alpha and then a normal Kadabra. But that Rhydon was kind of my bread and butter for a while. Nice. So if you guys have played it or, or beaten it, jump in the comments down below and let us know. So... Um, that's what we've been playing. What else have you been watching or doing? Well, besides Pokemon Arceus, Arceus, however anyone wants to pronounce it out there. Um, I haven't played anything else because I put all my time into beating that, but now I'm ready to go for something else. But I did go and see the new Scream movie, and I actually really loved it a lot. I thought it was really, really good, especially coming off of, I know the last time I went to California, just recently in October, I went and saw the new Halloween, uh, Halloween Kills when that came out, and I was like, oh, this movie kind of sucks. Like, I really didn't <laughs> like it. So watching this, I was like, damn, you know, this is actually a really, really good movie. And Scream was always never... Maybe I'm more appreciating it now more than I ever did because I always really liked one. Two's okay for me. Three and four kind of suck. And now looking back... So Scream was always like, okay, I like Jason. I like Michael. I like Freddy. I like all these other people more than Scream. But Scream lately for me, especially after that last movie, has kind of been making its way up there a little bit more. Would you say that it's finally part of the group of good 20-year-old sequels? Like, I, it, 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 that, that movie group? that movie for sure is okay. like I was not expecting that movie to be good that's the hard thing and to do a lot of times when they make up a sequel it's 20 years later off of it because everyone's in it right Courtney Cox is in it and Neve Campbell's in it and all that right 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 yeah like all, all the OG people who are still like surviving or whatever are in there and uh, yeah they were all just fine I didn't feel like they were shoehorned in or like oh man why the fuck is this person like you just have to make that cameo <laughs> or anything no it was actually a really good movie so if you're into Scream if you're even interested in Scream at all I definitely recommend going and seeing it nice so uh, leave down in the comments guys what you've been watching what you've been playing so with that down and out of the way guys let's move into our main story and that is that 
The, the studio acquisitions are continuing and the latest is that Sony has purchased Bungie for $3.6 billion. So before I get into anything that I wanted to read, there's a lot of confusion, which is weird because I thought as gamers of a certain age, a lot of people would know this, but a lot of people are confused that they think like Halo in some way is still attached yeah. with Bungie. I, there's a couple Facebook groups I'm in and a lot of people are saying, I get some people are joking. So I just want to clarify if you aren't um, familiar with it, just kind of a short timeline of what Bungie's been through. So Bungie was founded in uh, 1991. Microsoft acquired them in 2000. Uh, Bungie wanted to split away from Microsoft and that happened in 2007 but doing so the only way they were able to leave and become an independent which I think was like Bungie LLC was they had to leave behind the Halo IP so in 2007 when they split and became independent again that's when Microsoft held on to Halo and then in 2010 uh, they made a publishing deal with Activision that lasted all the way to 2019 and within that time period um, Destiny came out in 2014 and Destiny 2 came out in 2017 and then now in January uh, 2022 Sony has now acquired Bungie. Now there's a lot more to that. I'm really just kind of putting together a quick sandwich of, of years so if you guys do want to check them out Wikipedia would have kind of the biggest breakdown of their um, timeline but I want to start with pointing out at the PlayStation blog from what president and CEO of Sony Interactive Entertainment, uh, Jim Ryan, had to say, and it goes a little something like this. Uh, Today, I'm happy to announce Bungie will be joining the PlayStation family. First off, I want to be very clear to the community that Bungie will remain an independent and multi-platform studio and publisher. As such, we believe it makes sense for it to sit alongside the PlayStation Studios organization, and we are incredibly excited about the opportunities for synergies and collaboration between these two world-class groups. I've spent a lot of time with Pete Parsons, Jason Jones, and the Bungie management team to develop the right relationships where they will be fully backed and supported by Sony Interactive Entertainment and enabled to do what they do best, build incredible worlds and captivate millions of people. Bungie's world-class expertise in multi-platform development and live game services will help us deliver on our vision of expanding PlayStation to hundreds of millions of gamers. Bungie is a great innovator and has developed incredible uh, proprietary tools that will help PlayStation Studios achieve new heights under Herman Holst leadership. Now, that is a lot. And I think the main thing you got to look at is what he says kind of at the end is that they have a world-class multi-platform development and live game services. Like they're, they're looking at buying something that's really um, focusing on what their weaknesses are. Sony has a big problem. I mean, they, they're really dedicated into the core gamer that owns the console, generally giving them fantastic you know, second to none, third person action adventure game. So when they're looking at Bungie, they're literally trying to build up on what they aren't offering people. Because when you look at something like Microsoft, Microsoft is able to do the Game Pass. They're able to go on your your PC, your phone, your tablet, your console. And then after all their acquisitions, they've now picked up first person shooters, RPGs, action adventures. Their deal with EA gives them sports. So Sony's finally really looking at that you know, we need to do something that's bigger than what we currently are. That's not just satisfying the millions of players we have on PS5. We need to do something more. So um, with that being said, before we get into like the talent behind it, what do you think about this buy overall? 
I I think it's important to note too is that they came out and said afterwards that this deal has been going on for at least like six months, and so it's right. not it wasn't reactionary. Yeah, it's not a reactionary purchase to Microsoft picking up Activision. I think what's kind of crazy to note too, and I I'd seen this in multiple places, but I don't know if it, it was it, if it's just a rumor or not. But it, there was a lot of high end people saying it is that they actually offered Microsoft less money to purchase them. But it seemed like Microsoft didn't pick them up because they didn't want to buy them and then have the games just be out there. So that seemed like that was the big stipulation for them is if you buy us, we're we're still going to be a multi-platform company, which is not something Microsoft needs because Microsoft already has plenty games as a service going on now, whereas Sony doesn't. So that definitely fits them a lot better in the wheelhouse. Like, okay, we'll stay third party with Destiny, maybe create something exclusive later on. Or if you want to bring back Killzone or something. And we'll show you, we now have this studio now that can show you how to make it maybe in this different light and something that's got a lot more longevity into it instead of, all right, one and done, we're, we're in and out of there with just a campaign. Yeah, well said. Because I know here are the three big things that Destiny um, kind of wanted to highlight to you know for us to know what's going on. One, it's going to be it's going to be one community multi-platform. Destiny 2 will stay on all current platforms and expand to new platforms. Two, self-published, creative, uh, creatively independent. Bungie maintains full creative control and publishing independence of the Destiny universe. Three, same game everywhere. Every player should have an amazing Destiny experience no matter where you choose to play. So that was kind of Bungie's main thing with Destiny, which is their flagship game. It didn't really kind of express what it's going to be moving forward with new IP. So it's, I'm going to be really um, curious to see what they do when, you know, when they make their next um, game that's not Destiny related. But... One of the things uh, we wanted to point out, because this is something I don't see a lot of people talking about, is not only did Sony buy Bungie, but they've made this huge effort to keep the talent that's with Bungie. Because it's one thing to buy the studio and inherit all of its um, technology and the infrastructure that it has, but you also want to keep the talent that that you know that backs that up. Because there's a huge difference between like Bioware of 2007 versus Bioware of 2022. You know, the Bioware that was making uh, Mass Effect and Dragon Age is not the one that we're getting now. So when they're when they're taking Bungie on, they want the same people that are attached to this. So um, there's a quick article that I'll read for you guys from Tweaktown that um, shows that Bungie wants to have a 1.2 billion retention incentive plan. So Sony confirmed it plans to spend a sizable portion of its Bungie buyout offer on retention. Sony says it is prepared to pay one third of its 3.6 billion buyout proposal or roughly 1.2 billion on a long-term incentive plan that will reward Bungie employees who stay with the company. Sony will pay that remainder $2.4 billion for a direct buyout of Bungie's private shares. The bonus is aimed at keeping Bungie's current staff intact after the acquisition. Deferred payments are planned across multiple years following the buyout, uh, the buyout closure. The company is prepared to pay about $792 million in deferred incentive payments in the first two years after the deal ends. And there's more to it if you guys want to dive more into that article, which again is from Tweaktown. But... I gotta say, I love that idea because when I when, when, you, when I first heard they bought Bungie, the number one thing I, I at least Andrew and I had like to think about is like, okay, well, who's staying with them? Right. What? Who? Well, who's heading the ship? And the fact that they're going out of their way to make sure that they get to keep the talent in my mind is sizable. So not only are they looking at, at kind of covering their weaknesses with 
and you know uh, bigger games that they can do that are longer lasting, but keeping talent around that know how to make those games. Yeah, I think they really just didn't want to. I, I mean, there's been other examples of it, but I, I mean, one of the biggest and most notorious one that most people talk about is when Microsoft purchased Rare. A lot of that big company, the creative people, and everyone who had build that company up with games you know like donkey kong banjo kazooie all that stuff had kind of already been gone or left shortly after that purchase so you're really just buying a studio and name which doesn't really serve a purpose yeah which is um i think is, is smart but then they're making very smart decisions so there's another thing going around showing that since this buy that they've had with bungie that they've got 10 different live service games already planned and now some people are saying through 2025 I've read other articles that say through 2026. So it sounds like Sony already knowing that they're going to be hopefully acquiring Bungie already have 10 projects ready to go. So I just wanted to briefly kind of go through um, what studios are going to be working on what. So and then we can kind of talk about it. So the, one of the biggest ones I know people have been waiting for for a while is and maybe this is what they've been waiting on is for something to do it is. Naughty Dog's um, The Last of Us, the Factions project. Factions, that yeah. Was, that's a huge one that I believe should have been out already. And that's it's kind of been rumors delayed, right? that it was supposed to be out and then it kept getting pushed and pushed. The next one is Bungie's um, Project Matter. I believe Matter is a, I don't know if it's a placeholder code name or that is the next project, but that's the next one that Bungie's going to be having out. Project Matter. Have you heard anything about that at all? No, nah, I don't even know what that one's Yeah, so I haven't heard a lot of it until I was looking up this um, article. So, and this is from... Um, uh, .esports.com. The next one is from Guerrilla Games, which is an unannounced project, which are the guys that do um, Horizon and have done the Killzone series. So I would assume that it would be something maybe Horizon-related. Maybe so, bring back Killzone. That, that might be, be time. Oh, yeah, now that they need some FPSs going. Um, Insomniac has an unannounced multiplayer Marvel project. So hopefully it's not anything like Avengers, but um, I could see that being fun, especially if it's done in the, in the way Insomniac builds worlds. Right. The next one that they have from other studios are uh, Haven Studios is working on something that's for new IP. Sucker Punch, who did uh, Ghost of Tsushima, have um, something that they have in development. PlayStation London Studio has, um, let's see, upcoming PlayStation 5 online games that they have worked on its live services. Firewalk Studio has something that's going to be done with new IP. Uh, Deviation Games has something with new IP. And Fire Sprite has something that they're working on that's going to be uh, mainly focused on Twisted Metal. So I do like that. The other thing is, it sounds like they're just throwing around a lot of, we're going to be doing new IP, new IP, new IP. So that's fine. And until we kind of see what that is, we'll kind of have more of a um, like an idea of what they're going to be doing with it. But I like the idea of a Marvel game that's not Avengers, that's going to be ran by Sony. I like the idea of Twisted Metal. I like finally getting Uncharted. So do you, I mean, did you think, this is a good idea that they've already got so many projects in the works or are they, is that too much? Should we have stuck with three or four and then sprinkled it out over the next 20, 2025, 2026? No, I like that they have a lot in works because one, they have the studios to back it up, but two, now with this latest acquisition, okay, hey, maybe you guys can share some cliff notes or something, help get these projects going in the right direction that they need to be. I mean, my biggest concern out of all these things anyways ever is just I don't want to see a big fucking buyout of, all right, well, they got Bungie, so we're going to take Square. Now we're going to take Capcom. Now we're going to take Konami. And then everything's just off the table in, like, these big split directions. So this deal actually doesn't strike me as kind of that one. 
in a way, I guess would have to depend on how the, some of those future games go, but I can't be like jealous be like, oh, well, now we're never going to get this because I don't know what it is in the first place, but it's nice to know that when Destiny keeps coming that it is going to be multi-platform and be there for me to play. Yeah, Because I do enjoy Destiny. Yeah, it, it seems like Sony's finally starting to realize that the way to keep, not I don't want to say innovative, but to stay consistent in the game, and it's not really an apples and oranges compared to like, to like Microsoft, but it's like we've got to do something to not only expand our our gamer base, but do something that's not just God of War, that's not just Uncharted, that's not just Horizon. A third you know what I mean? Over so, the shoulder. Yeah, and the fact that they're able to start already going, hey, these are all the live services games we got going, done by very talented team. That's the other thing. These aren't just they didn't buy just a team to do you know to make another game or to take something away it's like they bought teams that they're they've worked with for years and know and know the vision that sony wants to go and i'm glad that they're finally going okay well let's do more than just the third person and the other thing is they're the the main thing they were talking about is cross-platform you know what i mean sony's finally going to step into the realm of okay let's make a game like why can't we make money why can't we make money and make a playstation game that's not on xbox so when xbox players want to buy it we now get a cut of that or nintendo for that matter so um, I think they were the last ones to finally kind of cross that barrier because Nintendo's never going to do it. Nintendo, you're never going to see Mario yeah. anywhere else. You're not going to see Donkey Kong anywhere else. But Sony being the guy that finally crosses that line going, you know what, we will make a game that's going to have PlayStation on it. And MLB was one of them, but that was kind of not in their, that wasn't part of their plan. You know, That was, that was of their, more out of their yeah, control. Yeah, that was out of their control where Destiny will be branded PlayStation and kept across multi-platform. And it's good to see, it's healthy, I think, to see them move in that direction. Yeah, especially too, because I think one of their DLC drops, it's like the something witch or something like that. Just I think it's either about to drop or just recently dropped too. So Destiny 2 has been going for a while and it has legs. There's still tons of people that play it. I personally have like too many other things to play and I think I'm a little too far behind, but I love Destiny when I it came out. I literally was thinking about that the other day. I'm like, dude, I want to start playing Destiny again because I remember how much fun we had playing it, but it's like, fuck, I'm way behind. Like there's so much stuff. So, but... It's a huge game. The last time I remember looking at it, I, I'm almost certain that Destiny has been in the top 10 live service games since it's been made. You know what I mean? And that's that's rare. That That is why there's there hasn't really been anything better than Destiny prior, or at least on its level, and there hasn't been much after it. Destiny, for some odd reason, kind of became that anomaly that is the best version of a live service game. I think it's the best looter shooter, personally. I don't well, think I've played anything like that's funner, Everything yeah. you want to compare it against it, they do better. But as far as yeah, like, like that, what it does cleanly across multiple platforms, so Stadia, Xbox, PlayStation, it has been the best consistent running game. And there's nothing... I mean, if you're going to buy a team, buy a team that knows how to make a very consistent game across multiple platforms. Right, so. yeah. Um, so shout out to them. I think it was a very smart strategic move. If you guys have any thoughts on that, please leave that down below. So... Our next main stories, guys, is that um, Star Wars games are being produced and developed and made by everyone. So this, you know, this IP that was once, you know, locked behind EA being the exclusive developer for almost eight years is now kind of open to all in terms of, you know, if they get the, you know, the option to do it. So there's currently now eight games being made in Star Wars um, lore and... That's a lot. So I kind of just want to read this real quick and then we'll dive into the games and um, and then we'll just kind of talk about, you know, is that too many, too little or, or not? So this comes to us from IGN and it says, 
Consider the eight known Star Wars games currently in development. The projects are being made by seven different studios, each renowned in their respective areas of expertise, and collectively cover every major gaming platform. They touch on the most popular genres, action-adventure, strategy, first-person shooter, RPG, Souls-like, arena battler, open-world, single-player, multiplayer, and range from free-to-play to full-price, action-heavy, to narrative-focused, family-friendly, to mature. There's something for nearly every type of player, and chances are there's still more to come. For now, however, let's dive deeper into all eight games, and we'll, and we'll jump into that. So before we dive into all these games... Before we start, do you think that's too many? Do you think we're going to be oversaturated with Star Wars games? That's what I don't want, because I feel like that's, they have no form of quality control, as you can tell by the movies. Like The movies are not good. The <sighs> last three that they did, the only thing that's really kind of saving Star Wars in the name of fans right now is Book of Boba Fett and The Mandalorian. I would say are the biggest, newest additions to Star Wars since... Fall in order that everyone's like, damn, this is great. Like, this is what we've been wanting. And that's kind of what I really want. I mean, I guess I, I would really have to see where these things go and see more, like, about the project. But I'm tired of playing the same shit over and over. Like, there's so much lore to it. Why can't I do, like, pre-before the Sith Fallen or pre-before the Jedi Fallen where there's only, like, one... Like, I'm so tired of Luke. Who gives a shit about Luke? He doesn't do anything. Yeah, the, the big thing with the movies is they've somehow have been stuck in, like, the Skywalker saga. Humans generally live for 80 years, you know, and the movies have been stuck in this handful of decades that that, that just try to rely on the on the nostalgia of who what character you see in this and this. And the games have done some, some things that... Like when you do like Kotar, right? We already know Kotar is going to be on this list. They did something that, that was so far back in the galaxy that was cool. It was a new That's story. That's great, tell. yeah. I don't know why everybody else is so stuck in this. So we're going to run through these games. We're kind of going to see which version um, is probably going to be stuck in there because I'm sure Fallen Order is on there. And and what they I could think Fallen do Order in the did it right though, at that least. That was a good one. It was almost like Rogue One. They were able to put this thing into this big piece that somehow made sense and was somehow fun. But... Unlike Rogue One, I don't want all of these games to be a lightsaber, force-wielding person. There's so many cooler people like the bounty hunters or just any any character, any you know, starship flyers. You know, there's so many other cool characters that you can look at that they always kind of hide behind the lightsaber, the force, and the name Skywalker. So I'm hoping we don't get that. I don't, I don't think eight's too much as long as they're good, and they break away from us being stuck in the Empire you know, <laughs> era. So I was just going to say before yeah. we go forward on that, I don't think the game was that great, but I liked what they did with the campaign of battlefront too. I know you played it too, yeah, where you start off as playing for the empire and you're just like a regular person. And then you're like, you know what we're doing is wrong. And you do that classic switch size, but it was nice to see that you're just this lowly person. You're not up there destroying the fucking death star and doing all these like other weird things with all these abilities you're not fighting these people you're just this like lowly person trying to maybe lead like a resistance or some sort of faction like you're on the you know boots on the ground yeah boots on the ground but again they're stuck in you know in the darth vader era but again so no longer ea making all these games we're going to talk a little bit about each one and the developer behind it. now some of these are going to be under ea but it will be a you know th that studio's responsibility not like ea kind of um, forcing them into certain builds, which has been kind of what's been happening in the past. So the first big game that I know a lot of people have been waiting for is the Lego Star Wars um, Skywalker Saga, which is by Take-Two Games, which these games, you know, they don't need to rhyme or reasons. Lego can make whatever they want. 
And yeah. I love it. You know what I mean? I play a lot of Lego games. They're a lot of fun. Um, to do a complete Star Wars version, I know this thing's going to sell. Um, one of the things I heard is they added back on the mumble mode. So a lot of um, a lot of the newer Star Wars in Lego, or a lot of the new Lego games, they kind of changed the old mumble, 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 mumble talking, and they've added cutscenes now. So if they've made a movie out of it, they'll add that. So in this oh, one I hear you yeah. can toggle it on and off, because a lot of people like that. So um, that's the first big one. Do you have any interest in that at all? I would probably play it, but and that that's a shit ton of games. So that would definitely be like, all right, I'll play that on the side when I feel like I have some free time, or I'm feeling a little burnout with this, so I'll throw that yeah, on. Yeah, good two player, um, you know, waste definitely some good. Uh, this is like there. nine stories. I got burnout on the sto- <laughs> on the Jurassic Park one, and that's like six stories. <laughs> yeah. uh, the next one they have going on is Star Wars Hunters, and this is going to be a free to play team based multiplayer game for Nintendo Switch and mobile. Um, it sounds cool. It's set during the time period as Mandalorian, but anything that has to do with mobile, I'm already out. You know what I mean? I'm sure it'll be right. good. I know it'll have its fan base, but there's nothing I, I, that even sounds... I don't even know if I'd get it on my Switch if I'm playing people with mobile to do this game, but it is cool that they are doing something that's just for Nintendo and just for, for tablets and phones. So that is one game if you guys are interested in that. The next one, which we were talking about earlier, is that they are going to be doing a sequel to 2019's Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. So, um, and like Andrew was saying, this was a really good game. They did go in a, in a really smart direction. I'm curious if they're going to stick with Cal or move with somebody else because it is just called Jedi and then Fallen Order. It's not really namesaking him by any means. What do you think? I would like to see like more of him again and maybe kind of gain... I, I don't know, more of his story because I really liked where it ended. And I think that's why I liked this game so much is even though it's on that same like Skywalker timeline, it really has nothing to do with that. Like you're this lone Jedi trying to kind of make your own way. He's living under the radar at first for those of you who didn't play it that ends up getting tumbled into fuck. Now I'm dealing with the empire and whatever. When I was just trying to lead like a casual, you know, like scrappers life, but then you end up going to like the Sith home planet and all kinds of stuff. And it's cool because when you're, you're visiting all these other planets that don't really get too much notice in the movies, yeah. Especially, like, you, Kashyyyk, you go there and you spend, like, all this time doing whatever there. And in the movies, I think you see it for, like, all of, like, two minutes. So it's cool to see them doing all these different places that don't have an effect on the grander, you know, it's outside of that while taking place at the same time. So I can appreciate that. Yeah, and this is Respawn. That was one of their first big games they did since um, Titanfall, right, was was doing this. Right. And um, I believe they've got two other ones that are in the works. So that was a big point for Respawn to be like, hey, this is our chance at making a Star Wars game. And generally speaking, it was it was looked at as, as very well. So I, I'm really looking forward to see what they do with Fallen Order. Uh, two. The next one is the one I'm most anticipating. Is never played it. Oh man, Star Wars: Knights of the Old Republic remake. So uh, this was announced back at Sony's PlayStation Showcase in 2021. This is being done, I believe, by Aspire, right? Yeah. So uh, Bioware's acclaimed Star Wars game, Knights of the Old Republic, is being remade from the ground up by Aspire, the studio behind the recent Star Wars ports of Republic Commando and Jedi Academy. This is what I want to see in terms of timeline like this game takes place thousands of years before um you know the skywalker saga and you have so much more to to explore this is back when there wasn't the rule of two you know what i mean there wasn't just two sith there was a lot more dark side going on so that's probably the one that i'm looking forward to the most are you finally going to jump in and uh give it a go yeah i'll play that for sure because that sounds interesting again i see all these crazy stories about star wars but i'm like where the fuck is any of that in any sort of media? It's not there except for unless I want to read it in a book or like a comic. The next one, and again, we got to point out, I believe it is a timed exclusive for the PS5. So 
Um, the next one that they have showing, which I'm super excited for, is Respawn, who made Jedi Fallen Order. They're making a Star Wars first-person shooter game. So I'm hoping, because you can do, you know, when you say FPS, a gun is implied, because you can do a, 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 a lightsaber and make it first-person, like like uh, Elder Scrolls. Then you can switch between third-person and first-person. If you're going to call it an FPS game, then I want it to stay an FPS game. I want it to be nothing but guns, and this would be an awesome time to show off you know, even if you did, even if you are being stuck in the Skywalker era, to show the rebels, you know, to show you know um, stormtroopers and things like that. So I'm really excited to see how this would be. Do you think it would be on the scale of something like a Halo or a Call of Duty if done right? I think if done right, and maybe what kind of sucks too is I think it'll be on the scale of like what Titanfall was, uh, yeah. especially too because but that, I you, Titanfall. I hate that it didn't take off, man. Yeah, the game I was good at. <laughs> like you know, you're not getting a Titanfall three because they're so busy working on a lot of this stuff right now, especially with something like this. But hopefully, maybe they could take what they learned from Titanfall two, and I and I love two. I thought two actually had a really cool story and put that here. Awesome. Yes, yeah, this is this one. I'm super excited about the next one that really caught my eye is. Uh, Ubisoft is getting a chance to make an open world uh, Star Wars game. So that is Ubisoft's MO. Ubisoft is known for making games that are like Far Cry and, you know, things that have these big Assassin's Creed and things like that. And um, I'd be curious to see how they would do that. I mean, it'd be one thing to play, you know, a Jedi in Fallen Order that's kind of narrative and it's locked behind what it has to run through. They kind of did open world on the planet, I guess. But imagine doing a big open Assassin's Creed Jedi game, or I mean, not necessarily a Jedi game, a Star Wars game. I would like to see something more like, um, like Force Unleashed. Like, let me play the bad side if you're going to be on like Ubisoft yeah. and make it like open world. That would be cool. I think that would be a lot funner than and make a lot more sense. Like, okay, I'm this underpowered guy who's going to bring down the Empire. No, I'm on the Empire and I'm the strongest, baddest mother on there. And now I'm going to decimate this whole area. Would be cool. And then, I mean, if he turns good, then whatever. I, as long as you do the story right, it's cool because Starkiller ends up turning good. But I thought it was done right and I liked him, especially him as a character. But that alternate ending, though, when he goes bad. Yeah, it is badass. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, that, there's a split side to both of them. But I was far more into the beginning that when you are bad and you're hunting down these people. That was cool as fuck. Yeah, and I should point out that um, they are Ubisoft also does the Division 2. So an open world Star Wars that it could be like a commando team. Oh, that Division would be... Division 2 style? I don't even think about that until I was reading it right now. That'd be, that'd be awesome. Yeah, so, Division 2 with blasters and stuff like that. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah, we'll see what Ubisoft does with that. The next one that we all kind of saw um, recently because it was in uh, the Game Awards was Star Wars Eclipse that's being done by Quantum uh, Quantic Dream, which... Has, is the studio that's kind of known for more choice and story-driven elements versus the action side. And to me, I'm like, awesome. Already, that is going to be different from any other yeah, Star Wars cool. game that we've ever done if they stick to the, what they're known for. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. choice, decision, and, and powerful storyline. So I'm, I'm excited for that. I feel like they are always what Telltale was supposed to be. And I don't know. I mean, that company just messed up so many things that this is like a high... This is like Champagne Telltale. Yes, and Telltale's yeah. like that... 40 you get when you only have 10 cents <laughs> in your pocket let's see the next one they have is another one with respawn and bit reactors um excuse me star wars strategy game and i was excited for this because they were kind of comparing it to like XCOM. and in my mind i'm thinking a star wars tactics game sounds awesome but, i was almost thinking like halo wars too yeah but one of the quotes they say says as with respawn's other star wars project details are slim however uh, Forge told GameIndustry.biz the studio is focused on really blurring that line between what a strategy game is and what an action game is. And already I'm I'm 
uh, I'm like, why? Like, there's a strict difference between the two. There's no other tactical, you know, there's no tactical strategy Star Wars game. Stick to that. You'd be the only one. You want to blur the line. This is the one I'm most nervous about. You want to blur the line with action. Now, until we see a trailer, it could be awesome. I could be like, oh, that's what they meant by doing it with an action game. But the moment I hear that, I'm like, why? You, you, nobody's doing a strategy game. Why not just stick to that? I don't want to see trailers because then I you end up with those cool trailers like the one with the fucking the Sith twins that fight each other, oh. and then the game's not as good as those trailers. <laughs> yeah. So um, those are the eight projects, Andrew. Um, I was just gonna ask. Top two. Were there any of them that like caught your eye the most? The open world, the FPS. I would say maybe the Ubisoft one, and I don't want to say Knights of the Old Republic because I haven't played it, and I know that that's going to be yours. So I'll say Fallen Order two because I actually really liked one, and I know I, again I would like the idea of maybe going somewhere else, but I wouldn't mind seeing more of Cal's story and like where they're going to go with that. Nice. Yeah, I think Kotar would be my number one for sure, and then that FPS one um, sounds extremely unique if they stick to just being guns. So. Um, those are our two main stories, guys. Um, let us know what you think. So overall, oversaturation of Star Wars games, or do you think there's enough variety here? And if they're all somewhat good, then there's plenty of room to work with Star Wars. It seems like there's enough variety in there, but they really do need to work on that quality control. So if any of these tank or just come out in their complete dog shit, definitely don't give that studio a chance to do a sequel. I got to fill in that Hunter's. I'm with you. I agree 100%. I think that Hunter's game, though, is going to be dog shit. That the, the free to play um, mobile game. I mean, I think that's gonna be. It just sucks that garbage. the best one we potentially had a chance at with thirteen thirteen got well, canceled. You see, that there was more like leaked footage of that, and that, no, like don't break my heart more. It seems like the more time goes on, there's more and more footage that comes out from that game, and it just looks better and better all the time. <laughs> So, guys, um, that is the end of our main story. Leave down below what you think about Star Wars and its eight games coming out from various studios. So, let's move into ripping it up. Bup, bup, bup. Andrew, what do you got? I'll go first. Mine's just a little quick one, but I do want to highlight it. Is that Phil Spencer is getting a Lifetime Achievement Award at the, 25, uh, the, 25th, the 25th Annual Dice Awards. So that's actually pretty cool to see. I mean, I know him more, obviously, from Xbox. And lately, he's the CEO. And what he's done since he's taken over after Don Matrick left, I'm sure he's done a lot more before then. But to really see him take a hold of a company and steer it in the right direction, Xbox is getting like more positive talk about, especially from where he got it. It's, you know, they're more like than ever before, especially coming off of Don Matrick's plan it's crazy it's a night and day between this generation and the last generation yeah i was looking at that there's one thing i did want to read if you don't mind no go right ahead. I, I i was looking at it kind of was like i was like oh okay so um the dice awards are run by the academy of interactive arts and sciences and will take place on thursday february 24th so if you guys are interested in watching it the lifetime achievement this is what i wasn't sure about the lifetime achievement award is not given out every year but is reserved for honoring those who've made large contributions Contributions on the business side of the industry. Previous winners include uh, Minoru Arakawa and Howard Lincoln, who basically built Nintendo of America, and Ken Kutagari for the creator of PlayStation. So when I read that, I was like, that's kind of cool if, if we're going to put him in the in that shoebox of, of great talent because he's kind of the guy that's now building Xbox. So right. like, if you're, he's putting him, I mean, it took a minute, but it, if you're going to put him in the same group of guys that built PlayStation and built Nintendo, then I think it's 100% fair to say Phil Spencer is now building Xbox, what Xbox always should have fucking been, man. It took years, it took decades, but here we are. You know, Xbox is finally getting to the point, and dude, I mean, and, and he's still a young buck, man. He's still got some right. miles left on those tires, so 
I mean, though, to get that, because I wasn't sure if they did it every year or not or something. And I thought you had to be a little bit late in your life to get one. So it's kind of cool that he's he's snagging that, man. Yeah, I like that. I mean, under his leadership, they're doing better than ever. After I, I looked at that list a little bit, I was like, where's like Shigeru Miyamoto's award or something <laughs> right. like that? Uh, is that all you want to put on that? Yeah, yeah. All right, so guys, you can again, you can check that out on February 28th if that's something that they're going to be airing. Um, what I wanted to bring up on my riff, guys, is that GTA 6 has finally been announced and um they're being kind of coy with it they're saying that it is been really uh it is coming out that they have been working on it they said it's well underway as far back as i can read is that it's only been in development since 2020 which is still a good chunk of change to be working on the game but i mean uh, they're projecting this game to be out around 2024 to 20 25 it's it's one thing that they could have sat on their laurels with um gta 5 and 6 or not 6 and gta online and just keep melting this it. thing yeah makes it money hand over fist and i would have been fine with that if we were getting more ip out of them which we're really not they're just you know and, yeah and you guys gotta remember gta 5 um uh, came back out in 2013 almost 10 years ago so they've been doing i don't want to say nothing because we've had red dead um to, uh, yeah, we've had Red Dead 2 come out since then, but the, the difference is I play GTAs for the campaign. I don't play GTA Online. I am a big fan of 3. I know you're you're more of a Vice City yeah, guy. Yeah, 3, Vice City, and yeah. San Andreas all come out within right. that ba- short... Back-to-back-to-back to back to back years, and then um, 4 was super good. I never really got into San Andreas, and then there's 5... Which was awesome. Five like got me back into GTA. I I loved it. I think it's I think it's I think it's the best one. And it's like it's been ten years, man. I beat that game so long ago. So the fact that they were running with a, a six, console ago, yeah, a console ago, maybe two. Yeah. <laughs> so the fact that six is finally uh, announced um, is awesome. The fact that it's not coming for a couple more years, I'll allow it because after if they can't re-release that the old collection they just did with three. And Vice City and San Andreas that was, that was broken. Take all the time you need. I, I just, it's just nice to hear that six, if that's what they're going to call it, this might be like a, a stand-in title like San Andreas. It might be something else. But um, the fact that it's on its way, I'm, I'm loving it. What did you, you think about when you heard it? I, I mean, I, I saw it and I'm just like, oh, man, I, I'm of the same mind. I'm like, I really only play for the campaign. I don't really play online. That I would like to, if you're just going to do one campaign per however many, for fucking 10 years, Drop some single player DLC, please. Oh, maybe they have. I don't, when's the last time you checked? I know I don't check often. I I don't know. As far as I know, it's I'm, I'm not a big DLC guy. You know what I mean? I don't go back and buy ten dollar ten dollar packs to play six more missions. Like, give me a new campaign, or give me in ten years there should have been some more a bigger filler, even if it was a smaller um a smaller based story. There should have been something, but the fact I that th- there hasn't been. I think too. I mean, they're just so like about that it's the same thing with red dead it was like a big huge ass world it's like i don't really want to see most of it because a lot of that stuff's boring like i don't want to (laughs) fish i get there's people who do love that and like want to go out there and like hunt bears and rabbits and wear their pelts (laughs) and stuff and whatever but it's not for me so uh that is the news guys um if you guys have any news or excitement with phil spencer getting his lifetime achievement award or gta 6 jump in the comments and let us know so uh, we're going to get into questions of the week real, real quickly before we uh, are done for the episode. The first question comes from Ophelia Delmar, and they write, uh, how do you choose what new games you want to play? And I would say, because um, Andrew and I share a lot of games. We do a lot of um, like sharing on Xbox. It's The big thing would be, is, is it going to be something we're going to talk about on the show? Because that's the reason we both bought Arceus and, and played it so fast. Because if not, I, I could have skipped on that and waited until like, the middle of the year, but it's big news. Like everyone was playing it. It was a huge pre-order. So I, 
the next thing would be is where our tastes separate because Andrew's not into Dying Light at all and I'm not going to be in the Elden Ring at all. So now where do we decide to play a game? Because Dying Light 2 just came out with a review. It's supposed to be really buggy. You know what I mean? I might wait on that. I don't, and I'm pretty sure you're going to play Elden Ring day one. So I would just kind of stack it in the order of what are we both able to talk about on the show that's going to be hopefully exciting news for you guys and then what comes into play personally that we're still excited to play throughout the year. Do you see it any differently? No, I'd agree. Yeah, definitely. That's the biggest thing is what can we talk about on the show? What is going to be big? Like, what is it that people are going to want to hear? But then there are sometimes some smaller ones. Like I know I've been talking about streaming and I haven't been because I've, I've been in my rut and whatever, but now that I'm finally committed, He's ready back. to go, I'm, I want to play that D-Lit game. And the only reason I'm playing that game is just because I think the art style is beautiful. So, I mean, sometimes that's all it takes is like, damn, this game looks really good. Or Craig played Bug Fables because it looked like Paper Mario, and I turned him on to Paper Mario. Or yeah, and then I stopped playing it, and Gino saw it, and Gino ran with it. Yeah, and so sometimes that's all it takes is maybe a little word of mouth, word of mouth a, little, a little push from each other, or you base it off a previous game. I don't know. They, sometimes there's other games I'll just be like, Ah, oh, what the fuck? I'll, I'll just try it. Like, yeah, there's see, a couple side games happens. I'll do. But the biggest deciding factor is what can we do for the show? Yeah, so I would say that would be the biggest um, factor to start with, and then after that, it just becomes, you know, what means the most to us. So, uh, the next question comes from, uh, and thank you for the question. The next question comes from Abid uh, Bakri. Uh, what is your favorite pay station? Uh, I, I think it means streaming service. Uh, yeah. So, and it, so like Netflix, Prime Video, etc. Great episode, great information. Thank you. What do you got? What do you think? What's your favorite? Because there's a lot now. There's definitely more than there was 10 years ago. <laughs> I like Hulu Live the most. I feel like I get... I, I get. Oh, so you're doing the, with TV and all that and all that stuff. Yeah, I have Hulu Live TV, so I ha even though I don't watch the TV as much, but they have a shit ton of shows, shit ton of movies, a lot of newer stuff, and I get to watch football and everything on there too. Oh, I like that. I would say Netflix almost kind of like a default, oh, and now mainly because Seinfeld's on there, so that I'm, I'm on there a lot now. But um, Hulu was a big one for me. Um, but I'm moving into HBO Max, man. HBO Max is HBO good. HBO Max is just getting more and more things on it that I like. I'm a big, you know, DC um, comic watcher, and all, all that stuff's there now. If you want to watch any anything that's WB and DC, it's all going to be on there. Um, but I can't argue that I would say a heavy, probably number two, is like Disney Plus. Disney Plus, then, that, that's Because then you get Star one, Wars, yeah. Marvel, and Disney. And, that is, is all, and as big as that sounds... I don't find myself on it as much as I thought I was going to be when it came out. Because I, ran, I already did my Marvel run. So I've already watched all the movies recently, I would say, in the last six months from front to back Marvel. I'm doing my, my weeklies with Boba Fett. But other than that, I'm not on Disney+. Plus. I'm on HBO Max daily. And you know who's creeping up is Amazon. Because Amazon has Vox Machina that I'm watching. Uh, the Boys is going to be coming out soon. Incredible. Season 2 is going to be coming out. So... Um, as of right now, I would say my favorite is HBO Max, and you're saying Hulu, Hulu, but Hulu Live TV. Though. But what if it didn't have live though? If it didn't have live, I would probably say like Disney Plus and over Disney Plus, Disney Plus and HBO Max. Excellent. So super appreciate the question. Leave your answer down below. So guys, that is the end of episode 122. We will see you next time on episode 123. And until next time, my name is Craig Prowse. This handsome bloke is Major Montemayor. Cheers. See ya.